The Ask the Dog Guy podcast is brought to you by the Power Steering Dog Training Collar. And a good companion product is the Easy on the Hands Dog Training Leash, particularly good for big, big dogs. In this episode, the letter I received was about an Australian Shepherd Cross that can't contain his excitement when the mountain bike comes out and it's time to hit the trails with his owner. The dog barks non-stop up and down the mountain trails. Today's video features a dog named Ari. He's a uh, Australian Shepherd Lab Cross, or at least they think he is. He's a neutered male. He's currently 35 months old. Um, they've had him for about uh, three months, but uh, he was well known to them prior to that for about a year. Uh, they sent along a little bit of video here as an example of what it is he's doing uh, when they're trying to mountain bike with him. Hi there, John. Our dog Ari is a young, energetic dog, almost three years old, but often mistaken for a puppy. We adopted him a couple of months back after living with him for a year previously with an old roommate who became pregnant and gave him to us. He had a pretty unstructured, chaotic life previously with very little structure, but since we've moved out, we've gotten him on a solid food, walk, play routine. He has no aggression issues that we've ever seen. He's friendly to every dog and human we meet, super cuddly and affectionate, great off-leash and loves his, loves his ball. We live in a big outdoor adventure town and before we adopted Ari, probably five to six months ago, we started taking him for long hikes, runs and mountain bike rides, adventures he'd never really experienced in his whole life. He loved all these things and is still great on runs, walks and hikes, but we started to run into an issue with biking. In the past, he would bark a bit at the start of the adventure, right out of the car, we thought he was just excited to get going, and would start barking as soon as we were on our bikes. Now he barks at the bikes constantly. It starts as soon as we pick up, as it starts as soon as we pick up the bikes, walk with the bikes, get on the bikes, ride up or downhill, whether he's on a leash or not. He chases us, barking beside us, and if my partner and I are in a single file or a couple of meters apart, he'll run back and forth between us, barking at both of us in turn. Sometimes he'll stop eventually and run like he used to, but if we stop biking, he'll lose his marbles again. At first we thought it was a herding tendency and still think it might be, but it's gotten so extreme that we can't take him out on rides with us anymore, which we loved doing and it was a great way to get him running and tired, and we thought he loved it too. If he hears us get our bikes or the spokes turning, he'll still run tail wagging towards us, but as soon as we start to push the bikes forward with him nearby, he'll start barking and doesn't stop. We've tried the quiet and hush command, which he's good at indoors, treats plus hush, he, oh, he's super food motivated and that usually gets him uh, if just the command doesn't. Hugging him, we've tried hugging him, picking him up for a moment and putting him down, ignoring him, but nothing's worked consistently. We're wondering if maybe he's afraid, but he used to have a great time with us and he's never had a serious run in with a bike. I know this that this isn't a major behavioral issue, but nevertheless, mountain biking is a big part of our life and something in which we really love to include Ari, as opposed to leaving at home on his own. If this is something that is scaring him, then of course we won't take him for out for rides anymore. But if something you feel we can support him in getting better at, we would love to hear your thoughts. Any insight would be much appreciated. Thanks in advance. Mariana in British Columbia, Canada. To a certain extent, this letter problem here has, uh, it kind of illustrates, uh, I think, a byproduct of how uh, we're being told to train dogs now. 
And uh, as uh, Mariana, the, uh, uh, the lady writing here says, I know it's not a major behavioral issue, and I'm going to play a little devil's advocate on that perspective. Um, I, I know it's not a deal breaker, life and death, uh, but um, I, I, I think we've <laughs> dropped the standard so much as to uh, what dog training should be that it does impact our dogs in ways that are not uh, obvious. And I think this might be an example of it. So um, in the dog training world, uh, an industry that's driven by uh, more uh, people who love dogs and ideology than actual uh, behavioral science, um, we end up having dogs who their behavior as they mature is driven more by their genetics of the species and the genetics uh, of the uh, the breed, like the uh, the things we've selectively bred for. And in this case, uh, we'll, we'll uh, say that uh, perhaps that herding instinct, that tend that drive to herd, a lot stronger in some dogs than others, like retrieve is. And so what ends up happening is there's kind of three things here, just to really oversimplify, that should influence our behaviors as we mature, whether we're a dog, a wolf, an ape, or a human being. And the first thing uh, would be those, just our overall genetics. Second would selective breeding in the dog world. But the third is we generally have a loving authority figure that calls the shots uh, through high levels of supervision and guidance from birth to young adulthood. So when you subtract that, all you have left are the hormones and the genetic programs uh, of uh, the species and uh, the, the breed involved. So uh, there's a bunch of hints in in this that uh, that again, I always remind people. Uh, I, I have like a little photograph here of this dog's world, so I'm extrapolating, and I may have some of this wrong. But here's some of the things that I I, I took as a hint. Uh, we've tried the quiet and hush command no idea what that is um, but based on some of the other things that they said I have a feeling I know uh, we've tried treats plus hush he's super food motivated and that usually gets him uh, gets him if just the command doesn't um, apparently not um, hugging him picking him up for a moment and putting him down ignoring him and but nothing's worked consistently so none of those things involved the concept of stop it i'm not asking you i'm telling you and i don't think there's a single person watching this video has not heard that and there is no member of any higher order social species that has not been exposed to that as well but in the dog training world and interestingly enough yeah this woman writes from british columbia which is kind of the uh, has become the land of all positive uh, it's I mean, it's not entirely like that but um, there, there, there are a lot of crazy ideas as how do you supposed to uh, train a dog. So um, what ends up happening is, you know, the dog, given the choice, uh, because there's nobody saying no. And like, again, if, if we said to Ari, who's obviously got the life of Riley, um, uh, you know, he's got somebody uh, that, that uh, is really, really cares about him. But as I so often say, if you ask the average dog, what do you think of the people you live with? They'd say, oh my God, I won the lottery for dogs. Uh, this is an unbelievable. I love these people. They're great roommates. And you, you, it, I, what happens is, is the dog starts to lose freedom. And if you really take a close look at the plan, uh, 
people have. If, you have, if you're a dog owner, the plan you had when you got a dog is the things you want to do with your dog in your life together, you're probably not doing those things. Um, because the dog never learns to exercise that very, it's invisible muscle, a very necessary muscle called the suck it up muscle. And so what happens is um, you can't take your dog to the kid's soccer game. If you, you know, check out a kid's soccer game. I will bet that half the people watching their, their children play have dogs. How many of them brought their dogs there and then ask them how many of them have taken their dog to training? And they have, but they go to a, a type of training that was designed for teaching a dog a, a, a trick. And that has become so ideological that you're led to believe that you are inhumane and a bad person and not deserving of a dog if you say no in some of them in any manner whatsoever. They'll tell you that, um, that you'll wreck the dog's self-esteem, that they'll develop aggression and, and anxiety uh, if you use quote-unquote force. But they never describe what that means. What do they mean force? Because I like to see them change a diaper, put a kid in a car seat or a snowsuit when they're cranky. Uh, first one third of our lives is basically we're driven. If we, we don't get asked, we get told that people, our, our moms and dads do our be their best to you know, cajole us and teach us as we go along. But sometimes you got to get to the grocery store and it happens. But there's, there's, not, there's force, but there's not bruises left. So when, when you start eliminating that, there's going to be a byproduct because there's no species in the planet who does that. Ignore bad behavior, reward good behavior, catchphrases, force-free. The dog training world is full of that. If my mother and father ignored my bad behavior and rewarded my good behavior, I would be dead or in jail. If they said, you know what, we're going to ignore your bad behavior, but we're going to reward it lavishly, um, I, I'd still be dead or in jail. Like That's just not the way the world works. Um, so uh, we don't, again, the consequence doesn't need to be brutality. That That's what I think that sort of amateur approach that we see here where it's all positive all the time. Uh, they either overt, they, they say that or they imply it and they ignore the reality that there's no science to support what they're saying outside of a controlled environment to, for teaching tricks. So you can have as many $50 bills and be as all positive as, with me as you want. But, uh, you know, if you got enough $50 bills, you're going to be amazed at what you get me to say and do. But sooner or later, a $100 bill is going to come up. And uh, Ari, our Australian shepherd, predominantly, it looks like behaviorally speaking, um, you know, his $100 bill is his herding instinct and his drive and, and uh, you know, how he expresses that. And if we want to channel it, um, good luck with that if, he's, uh, if he sees you as a roommate. So what happens? is what happens, Ari's left behind now. And I call that basically house arrest. There are so many dogs that could do more if we would teach them in a way that nature intended. So that's kind of what I think is more going on here uh, as opposed to uh, um, you know uh, anything inherently matter with the dog or a bad experience or anything like that. I think it's just his herding instinct got so powerful and he doesn't know how to focus and know what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do because uh, nobody taught him and in, in all likelihood the, the the owner of this dog has it's been suggested that um, they can't teach him not in a, not in a, an authentic behavior modification manner or they're a bad person or they'll wreck the dog and I don't agree um, I've done work with dogs for 30 years and um, I, I've seen the gamut the might is right yank and crank nonsense 
Don't like that. But the all positive, silliness too. Uh, we're, we haven't yet hit upon the right uh, model and it's not that complex. So what are we going to do here? I'm going to make some recommendations. If you're absolutely bound and determined that you're never going to say no to this dog in a way the dog is going to understand, there are a few things you can try. Um, you'll see one of the other videos on, on this channel is how to teach a dog to bark where um, it, with the idea being if you give them a trigger saying all right um, warn them speak and the dog goes woof woof and then you give them a positive reinforcement that they start to connect the dots the trouble is you have to teach them in some way that if they bark without you asking them to there's a consequence and if your training approach is consequence free I don't know that you'll actually accomplish the goal. The trick is finding out what is a consequence for Ari. Like what would make Ari go, oh geez, I better not do that. Well, you don't want to tr try and figure that out, in my view, when he's in the height of the behavior. What you want to do is begin a process that, in, in my view, before you begin anything here with regard to the barking, I would learn how to train Ari in a way that he comes to understand that you are a loving authority figure. You are the teacher. And that's usually best done when, like in your house, when you're, uh, like the program that I, I have cl with clients is, oh, every time we're in this room, they, oh, you got to do this for a second. Every time this, it, it kind of like uh, um, adds that element of, uh, with a child, did you brush your teeth? Did you comb your hair? Is your backpack packed? Is your homework done? Eat your peas? All that kind of stuff that are kind of hard for them to forget the structure of the relationship because you're using the vehicle of actually getting through the day to keep reinforcing that. So I like to do that a little more subtly with the dog. I don't like you do get kind of these uh, might is right trainers that are some of them are not too bad, but uh, they you know I'm not I don't like the yank and crank uh, aspect, but um, where they will uh, convey to the dog uh, that they're not supposed to do something, uh, but if they if they do it you know when the dog is if they say okay show me the bad behavior and then they start working on it uh, you, they end up going to extremes and I think that is in part where the all positive people have lost their minds uh, I can see where that might get trigger them is that yeah I don't like that either uh, what I just object to is that there's no middle ground the trick is is what's middle ground for Ari may not be for another dog with another temperament. And so that's why I like to work with clients when uh, I, I start giving them a few little exercises um, where they video them and they send them to me. And then I get to watch them and I see how the dog is responding to the tone and the body language and the things that I recommend. And then I can help them adjust it a little bit so that we find what's specific to the dog. The template is the same for any higher or social species as far as the approach and learning, uh, recognition of patterns and all that kind of stuff. But um, the energy you use. Like you could have a kid um, that, like if, if kids were dogs, some kids are like golden retrievers from the Disney planet on mood stabilizers that were born a senior citizen. Other kids are like little pit bulls on steroids. If you're that might is right alpha dad or mom on the, with that softer child, that old soul child, they're gonna need therapy for the rest of their lives. And if you're too, oh, I'll ignore your bad behavior, my little pit bull, um, that kid is gonna end up in juvenile court. So. 
it, it, you don't need to beat anybody, you don't need to bribe them, but you need to find the right level. So I like to use the video exchange for a few days just to kind of find the right levels. And then we jump into a program and usually within a couple of weeks to a month, depending on how old the dog is and what the person's handling skills are like, uh, the dog starts, they kind of wake up on the, th the 30th day and go, I don't know what you've been putting in your coffee since uh, you were talking to that John Wade guy, but you know who you remind me of? My mother. And that's the goal. Is that kind of relationship is natural. So that would be the first step. And then I would start working on the, the other issues. And you know, you could make a little list of other things you want to work on and put them in the difficulty of you think would ever be the most difficult for Ari and put that at the bottom and just start it, start to ease them into things. So uh, one of the things I might do is teach, uh, teach the dog to bark. Now you'll, you'll see in that video, uh, there's an it's a, there's an example it's a client who's working with her dog, uh, teaching him this, and he's uh, uh, you know she's correcting him when he gets too jumpy and too too vocal for without being prompted, and uh, he, he's he's still quite a confident little puppy. Um, another another way that I would probably approach this would be. Um, I'd see if I could break the cycle, and pardon the pun because this is a bicycle here, by, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, what I want to do is trigger the barking, but in a, in a manner or a context that is not quite as intense as being on the mountain. And so, uh, you know, if you took your wheel off and, uh, and, and you, 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 uh, you put it uh, in, your, in your house and you spun that thing, um, would that trigger the barking? And then you would start to go, okay, remember when I was teaching you um, how to stay on your mat when I'm making tea and I let you know what I didn't like and what I did like? Then you start to uh, apply it in that context. Um, if if you can get him to, like if he's the kind of dog that barks when somebody comes to the door, they knock or they ring, uh, better when, when if you got a doorbell and they react to. Every single time you take him out to the bathroom, you will take all the things that you would initially learn how to teach him, who's the teacher, who's the student, um, uh, and your tone and your body language, all the things that you're going to use to let him know he's doing good, but you don't like this in, in a firm but fair way. Then you start to apply it. Every time you go to the door, you, you'll start knocking on your door and you'll trigger the bark. Hey, what the... Good boy. And again, I don't want to oversimplify it. It's not super complex, but it's amazingly effective in time. If you got the right colors in the palette, he'll come out. And this is, see, I think this is what um, amateur dog trainers don't understand. Your goal when you say no, and if you don't say no, forget it. It's just not the way the world works. But the goal is for the dog to come away. We want Ari to go, oh, I understand. I'm not bad. And you're not bad. Uh, but the barking is something we should learn. That's what we're trying to do. And if we got a, if we, it's a big, big problem. It's like a big, big elephant. If you want to eat the elephant, cut it into smaller pieces. Piece one is changing the relationship because I don't. I think the relationship is roommate right now. But imagine if you had a doorbell and you got a wireless doorbell down at the hardware store and you brought it home and you installed it so the chime is coming from the same uh, same. Like I've used apps to ring and to prompt the bark. It's just that some dogs kind of need it to be from the same sound or they figure it out. And you got the button in your living room. Well, you're gonna apply some training every moment you've got spare time. And usually by the time the uh, about 10 days the dog's got enough you've broken it down into a little step you don't have to deal with the dog and the door and the person and everything it's just one of the steps that lead to the barking you've got a dog who hears the doorbell and goes oh there's somebody at the door 
did you want me to get it? Notice I didn't bark. Um, so that's a uh, um, that that would be another tool I might use in uh, in, in addressing this. Um, the like you, you know, like the wheel idea. It, it might just simply be um, just practicing putting the bike onto the vehicle in order to go to the mountain uh, and, and trigger it. One person handling them, interrupting the behavior, sending a message, uh, applying something I call the rule of three. And then you, you, you just kind of break it down until he starts going, oh, I get it. You don't like the barking. Um, so that's sort of teaching him manually. And barking, though, is a tough one because timing is everything. And you got to win eight or to 10 times. And that's when you look at outside of manually, what are our options for barking? Well, there's mechanical devices and I'm not going to get into them too deeply here, uh, but there are pros and cons. And a lot of the cons are fabricated cons by the amateur dog training world that I don't agree with. Um, uh, these are just tools and I've never had a problem with any tool. It's the fool at the end of the tool that's generally causing the reputation or spreading information that is really misinformation. But basically what it does is it takes the uh, um, the no uh, away from between the dog and the handler. And so, and it mechanically applies it. So that usually the timing, if it's a good quality device, most are not in my view, but if it's a good quality device, you'll see um, that the that it, it, it the, like it, it'll pick up on the vibration of a bark and the sound and if if if, if you don't have two out of two it, it doesn't kick in, uh, but the idea is um, what would why what's the dog's reason to stop barking? I mean you've given them tons of reasons here. Oh I'll, I'll hug you I'll pick you up I'll tell you shush I'll give you a treat like without something that is a negative where the dog connects A with B, don't do it then I, I don't see how they're supposed to figure that out. I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a fair lesson. But you don't want it to be an extreme. And that's where these, these so while I don't agree with a lot of the negative associations with approaching these things mechanically, um, I, I do agree that, well, I'm not quite sure where to go with this as far as should these things be available over the counter or should they only be available with uh, some instructions, but these things I'm referring to are basically called bark collars, and there are different approaches that uh, um, uh, apply a negative in a highly timely manner with enough repetition until the dog goes, "All right, I'm not supposed to bark." But so one um, are audio, uh, like they they'll emit a very well the sound you can't hear, and uh, it 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 it, uh, it it hurts their ears. Like I it, it, I'm smiling a little bit because. Um, they they all market themselves as being humane, and but ignoring the fact that look, what is humane? If it's a negative, what's maybe the dog doesn't think it is, and I would suggest that dogs who have high anxiety, and in this case you mentioned he does, that it. I found they do work a little bit more, but I don't like to approach it that way because I don't want to cause them more stress. I I, I want to go slow enough that the dog starts to understand they're not bad. Um, it, it, you're not bad. It's it's the vocalization that's that's doing. I want to give them a little bit more control of the situation. So uh, that that is one option. I, I'd have to tell you that um, it is so rare I have ever seen one of those things work uh, in a meaningful way with a real barker. That uh, um, I, I, hopefully, if you buy one, you can get your money back if it doesn't work.
but you can try it. Uh, the other type is, uh, it's, it's a little more tactile, uh, but it, it's uh, uh, the ones that spray. Uh, so some of them, well, they used to spray citronella, they th still have that, and some of them just spray straight air. Um, and the idea is bark. <laughs> now, I'm not, again, I think the dog's nose is this most sensitive organ in the, and so they were pretty big with those collars as, oh, we're super humane. I don't know how humane that is. Uh, that is a, uh, uh, the dog, you know, that's like uh, uh, flashing an incredibly bright light in our eyes, because which that's, our eyes would be as close to a comparison as to their nose. So, um, but it, it it's a negative, uh, that's for sure. Um, the uh, there's another type that vibrates, uh, you know. So bark, 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 and uh, that and the other uh, the, the 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 spray ones and the the um, the ones that irritate the dog's ears. A big problem I have with them is there's no nuance. I mean, the idea is to interrupt the behavior with enough of a negative association. You don't want too little, you don't want too much. And there's not a lot of variables there. I, from what I understand, the, uh, the, the, the spray ones do now have a couple settings on them. Uh, maybe they've got more, so, but uh, vibration, you know, it might be a little vibrator, but I find it, it kind of freaks some dogs out, but usually they just go, whatever. Uh, particularly a high drive dog and a high drive mentality. So. I think that's a problem because I don't want to use more than I need. Uh, the ones that are considered the most evil of it all, uh, all are, it's kind of ironic, the, 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 uh, the e, what do they call them? Uh, well, some people call them shock callers, e-callers, bark callers. Um, what they do is they send uh, like a static shock. So if you, uh, um, uh, like if you're on a carpet and you get a, a shock, it, it, oh, it, it startles you. And uh, so, uh, you know, you get these two schools of thought. You got the proponents of these 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 callers who, oh, it's nothing. It's it is something. It, like I think that's just silly to say. But it, it it's how you don't. If you've got a good quality one, you can set it at a variety of different levels. So it's you know a mere annoyance, attention getter, and go out and like that, and then stop. But I don't recommend them as a rule because people don't take the time to introduce them correctly and create sort of a literacy and help the dog understand what it is they're doing right and they're, they're doing wrong. So that's where they get their horrible reputation is people winging it. Uh, and, uh, but I found they're, they're probably mo the most effective whatsoever for situations like this. But there's no way you would use something like that and uh, put it on him and then go for a bike ride. That's just a weird way to go about. You want to create a connection in a much calmer manner where it's very, very low settings and he just gets a, a sense of what it is that's going on. So the, uh, the sensation, um, if you feel it yourself, you'll kind of get, oh yeah, that's what John meant. Uh, it was kind of like the carpet and, uh, um, and like, I, I, I don't know what this still happens, but I used to put my key in my Jeep and when I, uh, or like into the door to get in. And I got a far stronger shock off to that. What you want to keep in mind is I still got in the darn thing. And then another time I went for, uh, oh, um, some therapy on, a, uh, on an ankle. And uh, uh, the physiotherapist put a, uh, um, a TENS machine on me. And when they, I felt it, son of a gun, I've felt this before. It's not similar to those, this, a static shock collar. It's the same thing. Uh, like it's the same thing, uh, but 
it's used as an intelligent tool in that manner. Starts low, it builds up. Is that enough? Okay, you're aware of it, then on the go. You can use the things in a similar manner when you're talking about barking. But I cannot emphasize enough, don't buy one of these things. You're likely to buy the wrong one. There's more lousy knockoffs out there than there are good quality ones. And book a little time with somebody who actually knows how to use them correctly and they'll talk you through it before it goes anywhere near your dog but um i i think that because i mean where would i would use callers like that would be as if somebody called me and says i live in an apartment i have a letter from the landlord saying that the neighbors have complained so much about my dog barking i'm being evicted i need i've got a week to solve this well then you're you're, you're a little bit more desperate and uh, I, I can see that's neither good for the the person's tenancy themselves or their dog they want to give up their dog and that's but that's a rush job usually we can put an end to barking by training and so um the, the mechanical things are often embraced as a shortcut and uh, i find the majority of ones that are out there they don't they don't accomplish anything the ones that do, they use them in such a way they don't like what they see, and understandably, and they stop using them. So again, it's not the tool, it's the fool at the end of the tool, and I don't think there's enough instructions that, to come along with those things uh, for uh, um, them just to be available to, to anyone. Not rocket science, but um, uh, a, a little assistance in uh, learning how to use it. So I, I think this, you know what, uh, boy, if, if I looked at Ari having to go through a little stress, reasonable measured stress that he can work his way through, you take your time, and he learned to stop barking, um, and he could go on these things, that the good by far outweighs the bad. So, um, you know, it, it is, uh, he's your dog, you're gonna have to make a decision of what you think is best for him, but I, I, I like the idea of the lifestyle you've provided him with, and. Uh, you know the little clip you sent of the video i've seen that before so many times it's just i think now it's just habit longer it goes on the longer it's going to continue oh there was another suggestion i had um that uh, um just while i'm thinking of it that you might try and is break the herding cycle like you mentioned in in your notes that he's running left and right left and right left and right you know he he, he looks it sounds to me like he's trying to herd um there are devices that you can put on on a, a bikes. I have uh, up uh, if I I'm pretty sure I got some links um, uh, for them. So um, the one that I use is called a Springer, and it it attaches to the bike and it keeps the dog to the side. So it's more of a heel position, and the dog can't hurt. It's just so it, it firmly keeps the dog out to the side so they don't get underneath the wheels, which is why I use them. And because uh, I don't want to trip and I don't want to hurt the dog, but the dog has to go with you. And it might teach him a little bit more um, effectively what you want him to do. Because the way you, you sort of described it, it, you know, he sort of escalates. And that might be a good starting point to teach him what it is he's doing specifically wrong. So I hope you find this of some assistance. And if anybody's got any questions or comments, um, don't hesitate to leave them. You'll find hundreds of free articles along with the store for my training ebooks and the dog training collar and leash that I often recommend for those dogs that have you coming back from every walk with one arm longer than the other at askthedogguide.com. I'll include links in the podcast notes as well. If you have a question for Ask the Dog Guy, that's me, John Wade, 
You can send your question and ideally some accompanying example video to john at askthedogguy.com. That's john at askthedogguy.com. I'll also include some links in the notes as well. If you found this or any of my other Ask the Dog Guy free resources of benefit, or if you'd just like to be a supporter of science and common sense in companion dog training, you can buy me the occasional coffee or a cognac or maybe two via the Buy Me a Coffee link provided in the notes.